And now, here's this episode of the Elevating IT Podcast, sponsored by Audit. Yes, George Bardisi. Welcome to the show, George. Welcome everybody listening and watching on the replay, watching live. People uh, usually takes people a few moments to come on. So, uh, George, it's good to see you, man. I haven't seen you yeah. in a long time. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite some time. I think the last time we did one of this was maybe Q one. So, a whole yeah. year has transpired, maybe a few times over with you know coronavirus and such. So, yeah, it's right. been interesting. Yeah, it only feels like four years, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, for some people, uh, it's like, you know, back in school when you used to look at the clock waiting for the class to end and it would go really, really slowly. Yeah, it could be right. one of them for sure. Right, right, right. Um, all right. So I got to figure out a way to, I'm going to take the audit logo off of your head. Because I so think that's, you know, you're a guest on the show. This is, a, this is the the Elevating IT podcast. And of course, we're live on Facebook, but I figure um, I'm going to keep, I'll keep our logo off of the top of your head. All good, man. All good. No matter what, we'll get through it. <laughs> and George is, to introduce George, George is uh, the, the VP. The, VP. Uh, I've got V on my mind because you are the president and CEO of BVOIP. That's and right. You're also, uh, and Bardisi Enterprises. That's now, right. do you... Do you still own it, MSP? I know you. you yeah, good question. So Bvoip kind of was, you know, we took money from an MSP after we kind of proved the concept out and started Bvoip as a channel only company. So my little regional MSP here in Philadelphia, which pretty much don't run the day to day, uh, you know, I still, you know, get sucked into it, you know, when we get into more strategic conversations. But, um, you know, my little, my little regional MSP here is still alive and well. And, um, Cash flow positive, which is always good. Um, so yeah, that's uh, it, you know what what it really does is keep us in the loop on you know again Philly's only one you know kind of metro right out of the entire country, but kind of keeps us in the loop on what's happening on the street, and we can kind of experience things as they come along, and you know you know kind of use our own customers as a test bed to you know ask the right questions and see how things are going and feel the pain. Right, that's the best way to know. Cool. Well. I asked you to come on with me because you are uh, one of the folks that um, I've known you for a long time, you know, being a, being a vendor partner in the channel, I've seen you at, at events and I've watched what you do. And I'm always just impressed with your salesmanship, um, your ability to sell your, your uh, branding ability, you're really smart marketer. So you've got uh, a ton of information I'm going to try and and pull out of you on the show today. Wide open book. Let's jam. Yeah, yeah, man. So um, I'm going to just ask you a bunch of questions. So what, and, and and here's the deal. You know, I kind of, I've, I don't know who I said this to, if I said it to you or something, but I kind of think of you as you can, and I, don't, I mean this in a good way, you can sell ice to Eskimos. You're just a... You're, you, and that's not like a sleazy sales kind of, you know, you're, you're not like that kind of salesperson. You're really, you're just a nice person. You're, you're, you know, people enjoy being around you. Um, and that's a, that's an amazing skill. You know, what, 
are you in, do you feel you're a natural at that? Like, how did you get there? Did that come naturally to you? You know, what's the keys and secrets? This is the, the end of Wolf of Wall Street where the guy says, sell me this pen. Um, yeah, well, actually, that's a great, that's funny that you say that because I thought, you know what I want to do on the show sometime is I want to like take people who like you who can really sell and ask them, sell me this pen. Because yeah. I thought that would be cool to see how somebody did it, but that's too much putting you on the spot. No, it's all good. I mean, listen, sales is more. I mean, there's there is science to it. There is there is a little bit of science to it, but it's more art than science. Having being personable is really the first step, right? You need to be able to communicate, drag the right questions out from people, be able to understand the pain, right? I mean, these are the things that aren't largely what you're going to find when you go on the car lot trying to buy a car, right? Um, right? You know, obviously being a business owner a few times over and talking to other people in that seat, um, you tend to understand the pain, right? Like if I have a customer coming to me saying, hey, I just acquired another business and they're going in asking questions from the business owner that they just, you know, acquired the business from, and this actually just happened the other day, right? Like all of a sudden they're like, well, what about health insurance? What about liability? What about marketing? Like all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, I have nothing to do with this part of the conversation, but can I give you two bit, two pieces of advice? I've been there. I've done that. Here's for whatever it's worth my suggestion. So part of being a good salesperson is being able to, you know, talk to talk. It's not all about an end goal, right? You really need to put your shoes put yourself in the shoes of the person you're talking to on the other end. Sometimes that's difficult, right? Because everybody's at different levels of openness, right? And you got to work a little bit harder to get to those pieces of information. And then number two is, hey, you're always, you know, you want to call it pay, pay it forward. You want to call it being helpful. You want to call it, hey, you know, even if we walk away and I can't help you, if I can punch in the right direction or give you some value, then I want to do that, right? Um, now, some people call that karma. Some people call that just being a good person, whatever it is. But if you understand challenge and you can get to the right point of, of you know, kind of strife, that's where you can add value. And that's what I, I suggest salespeople do, right? Yes, I understand that you're trying to accomplish your goals. You're trying to do something as a salesperson. But you can't really get to that point successfully unless you're going to shoot in the dark and hope that you get a response back, which some people may do, but you're going to have to do a lot more activity in order to succeed in that way. So to me, you know, I've gotten to where I've gotten to because of a lot of trial and error. Right. And uh, I've had good days. I've had bad days, just like everybody else. It's a human condition, but really being willing to listen almost more than talk I know that's the anti, almost anti-sales to some degree, but listen more than talk is part of the key components to being successful, I think. Yeah, I will tell you that, you know, in my conversations throughout the years with all of the best, all the people who are really good at selling always say, listen, man, just listen. And, and that is a testimony, testimony to you being one of the, on, on that list, because, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're saying the opposite, then you don't know. You shouldn't be talking about sales. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Some of the smart sales guys out there say, "Hey, just put the right questions in place, listen to the responses, give them back what they want." I mean, if you simplify it, it is that way, right? Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, if you know, you know, you can evolve certain concepts, but in a nutshell, right? Like talking at someone is not the answer. You want to get them to, to give you more information than you are providing, especially in the beginning, right? A lot of people say that that's, um, 
good prospecting, right? You know, like you can effectively determine whether, you know, in the first 15, 20, 30 minutes, whether you can provide any sort of value to these people, but got to get past the surface questions. You have to. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how you're going to know whether you actually have a legitimate opportunity when it's all said and done. Otherwise, your pipeline's going to be a paper tiger, right? And you're just going to have stuff there that's not real. Exactly. And Brian commented, two ears and one mouth. Use them accordingly. Excellent advice. Really is so true. Um, I mean, you know, are you a, so were you a technical person coming into this? Like, did you have, did you have, the biggest challenge I, I hear in in what we do is that I'm just not good at this. I'm not a people person. I'm technical. I can talk tech all day, but I, I don't even I don't feel comfortable talking to people like, you know, there's there's people who are out there who are the technician and the salesperson. How do you. That's often the case. Listen, um, I self-taught a lot, and especially in the early days. Right. I was just naturally excited about tech. Right. I tinkered like we all do. You learn, you figure out what works, what doesn't. And then eventually you get into a little bit more formal structure down the line. Um, yeah. If you're owner led and you're like the lead person doing technology and also the person trying to go out there selling stuff, it is you need to zoom out and understand that you're running a business first. And I know that's really hard because sometimes you're an accidental business owner. How does that happen? Right? Hey, you're just good at tech. You're helping people find out you can make a little bit of money doing it and morphs and morphs and morphs. You know, when you get into that sales hat, at the end of the day, the customer for the most part doesn't care which vendors, which pieces, which backup, which, whatever, right? There's a couple of key names that may show up in the conversation. And mostly that's you digging information. Hey, you know, what are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? Very rarely does somebody come in saying, well, I called you because you said you're good at Dell computers, right? Um, you know, sometimes, but in the most case, you're going in there saying, hey, listen, I want to help you. I want to understand what your challenges are first. I want to understand how your business runs. And then maybe I can then go backwards from there and say, here's how we can use technology to fill in some of these gaps. So it is a reversal, right, of the technology thing because we're so geeked up. And, hey, I, I still get super excited by cool tech. But we're so geeked up on the, the nuts and the bolts and the spinning wheels that we forget to ask the person making the decision, you know, what's important to them, number one. Number two, they're probably not technical or else – they may try and be doing this on their own, right? We've all run into that, right? The office manager that's also the IT person, that's also the, mm -hmm. the, the check signer for the, you know, like all of a sudden it's like, yeah, the, you can't really be successful doing all of those things. And that's why you're talking to me. But yeah, for, you really need to understand that you're talking to a business person or a decision maker. Take the technology speak and put it on the shelf for a second. You can bring it back later in the conversation once you're trying to show how you can help them. But you really need to talk about the business challenges. And, and even more now than ever, the plumbing is kind of expected, right? The infrastructure, the plumbing, the computers turning on, like the internet working. Yeah, got it. Now we're talking about more business intelligence. We're talking about line of business apps. We're talking about bit workflow. Like these are the types of conversations that are starting to bubble up to the top, right? So understand that the stuff that me and you and you, Mike, probably geek out on are probably not top of mind for the person on the other end of that combo. 
Right. Now, you mentioned something that I think is, is I want to dig into a little bit about getting that you were excited about this stuff. Um, I think and I think that's really, really important like that. You have to be excited about what you sell. Otherwise, you're going, you know, if you go in with excitement, they're going to get excited. It's infectious. How do you keep that up? Because the day to day, you know, again, if you're a sales, even if you're a salesperson, you know, you're out there chasing a commission, you're doing your job, you've got pressures and, and you get sometimes you can get too close to what you do. So how do you how do you always stay excited about those? Things? It's funny, right? We we always say the word um, some people fake it till they make it, you know, whatever. But I mean, I've always had a natural and I'm sure a lot of the people watching this and a lot of the people who have been in IT, even you know, not for a long period of time, they're just naturally excited about how things work and making it do something more than just a blinking light, right? And that was always me, right? I was like, listen, I want to see how this thing spins. I want to take it apart. I want to put it back together again. Can I do it better? You know, can I do it you know, less expensively, whatever it may be? You know, it, when you're in sales, or even if you're in account management, or even if you're in a VCIO role, you got to come off as if you're really, you know, even quasi passionate about what you do. And I tell, you know, some of my people, you know, from a sales perspective and account management, I, I tell them this, like, you got a high motor guy, right? And you got like a even keel guy. And like, you got to find, you got to get closer together, right? I'm not saying change your personality, but you got to come off like you're, you're really into what you're doing. If they feel like you're flat, they're going to be flat. If they feel like you're just, you know, going through the motions, they can feel that, right? It's a human right. being thing. We all know it. Like when I go into a cell phone store and the person on the other end of the Verizon's, you know, you know, cashier desk is like, ah, oh, here's the next guy. Here we go. You, you immediately know walking into that conversation. Great. This is going to be horrible. Um, you don't want that feeling, right? So even if you're having a bad day, I don't know, grab a coffee, take a Red Bull, Come in with a happy face and try and get, yeah, you know, try and look like you're at least happy about it. But right. I really am excited about the tech. I really think that we can help people. And I get excited when people like I can walk out the door and say, you know what? I really hooked that guy up. I really, I really took him from here and brought him over here. And I, you know, that guy was blown away, you know, by the time I walked out the door. Now there's execution involved after that, but I already won. If I can walk out the door and the guy's like, had no clue, never heard of it. This is awesome. How do we get started? If you can get to that position, then you've done the right job. Awesome. So fear. Fear stops people from taking action, selling, um, gets in the way. You can't, and, and again, sometimes you can fake it till you make it, right? But if people have, a, have an intrinsic fear of failure, fear of somebody saying no, um, how do they get, how, how do you get and overcome that fear? How do you, how do you overcome your own fear? Because I think everybody has it to a certain extent. And, and how, do you, how do you recommend, like, what do you say to MSPs who were a little more overwhelmed with that fear, the non-natural salespeople? No shortcut to it. You got to go through it. Think about sports, right? The people who are in the hall of fame in baseball, football, hockey, they failed a lot. Yeah. Like think about the guys that are like in baseball, right? A three or 400 batting, like batting average. And you're, you're, you're the man, right? That's a lot. That's 60% failure. And you're in the hall of fame. So like putting in that perspective, there's no, there's no shortcutting it. You're going to get turned down. 
your gut again knows. I mean, obviously that's part of the, the situation. You're never going to bat a thousand. It's not expected. And, and if you are awesome, that I think you're lucky. Um, if you can get to 50%, that's great number, but think yeah. about that in school, 50% is a failing grade and sales yeah. is fantastic. Right. North of 50%, you've, you found some magical elixir. And if you can keep that percentage up, you're going to be making some good money. Uh, at the end of the day, there's no shortcut to it. You got to do it. You got to get through it and you got to face it and you got to learn how to get past it and get better and better and better as you go through those situations. Don't hesitate to ask the question, what could I have done better? What, what convinced you, Mr. End customer to go left versus right? I'm just really trying to understand for myself what we could have done better or if our solution's lacking something or, you know, it was strictly price and, and there wasn't any value, other value attached. Like, you got to ask those questions or else you're never going to grow. You're never going to know. Right. But you got to go through it. There is no shortcut, Mike. And, and quite frankly, I've really felt from a community aspect, from an MSP community aspect, like back when I started back in 2000, 2001, straight castle mentality, man. Nobody wanted to talk to anyone else. Right. Everybody was your competitor. Right. Now there's peer groups and there's people that are talking informally and you meet into guys, hopefully at events again, and you start having these offline conversations. And sometimes you can learn from other people's mistakes before you have to go and make them yourself. So don't hesitate to ask for help. Don't hesitate to ask somebody else to help you understand how to do it. If you're, if you you know, create that rapport with other people in the industry, you can you can fast track your experience level. But there is no shortcut. You either got to learn it from somebody else, or you got to learn it yourself. There's no uh, dummy's guide. I think that's gonna get you there. Yeah, and that's good. That's really good advice. I mean, you got to get in the ring. <laughs> you got to take. Sometimes you got to get punched in the face. For sure. Right. Um, so let's talk about approach because I think this segue is goes with with failure is is how to how we approach things I think can change the way sometimes we look at failure, um, and by approach I mean any kind of sale you're trying to get from the closing the sale to opening the sale. So you think about you know how you reach out to somebody on LinkedIn. There's an approach to that. How you cold call somebody. How you hit hit somebody uh, for the first time. Um, what, and, and here's my, here, let me know if you agree or disagree with this, the sale and, and whatever that sale is, whether it's trying to get appointment, trying to close, whatever um, it's made or lost on the approach. Do you, do you agree? Disagree? You're welcome to disagree with me. And, no, no. I mean, Mike, um, my own people get frustrated with me because every time I get on a call, it's slightly different. And they're like, but that's not what you did last time. And I'm like, you got to be the Swiss army knife, right? You got to be ready to pivot, 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 depending on how the person's reacting, how the call's going, the answers that you're getting back, or if you're not getting answers back. Like if you're just going to the same template every single time, you're missing something, right? Because it's surely not the reality of how things go. Um, you know, and it, it, depending on how your sales cycle is, right? Like some, you know, a lot of teams like the blueprint of, Hey, there's a person that gets them to commit to a meeting. And at that point, they're not cold, right? They're coming into the meeting and we already have a little bit of an understanding of what we're going to talk about. And then we get in there, we expand, we expand, we expand, and then we pivot and then we try and, but you know, no matter how you get the person into that initial conversation, there's a lot of ways to do it. You got to ask targeted, targeted questions. Number one, are they in a buying position? You don't know unless you ask. 
if they're just knocking the, you know, kicking the tires and then you're spending all this effort and then they're like, Oh, maybe, maybe next year. Like you need, you need to ask these questions and target and they're not, and in a smart way, right. You don't want to be too pushy or come off like you're, you know, that you're that guy, but you need to say, Hey, listen, what's your challenge? What's your pain? What are you doing today? And then you have to ask those targeted sales questions. You know, if we can solve this, this, and this challenge that you just said, would you be in a position to make a move within X amount of time? If, or in a scale of one to 10, 10 being you're ready to go, one being you're, you're not sure where you're going, where are you in the process right now so that I can understand, you know, how to move forward? Or, hey, before we get off the end of the call, I want to schedule the next interaction. I don't want to the, hey, well, just get back to me when you're ready to have a conversation. It's, hey, can we have a call next Wednesday? Can we have a call in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Like if you if you don't proactively push that communication track, it's going to fall off. The, hey, get back to me when you want to talk, forget it. Uh, you know, you're going to get a one in 10 chance they get back to you on their own. You need to force that situation. And if you let it off, then it's on you. So coming back to the approach, right? Yeah. LinkedIn. Here's a tip. Don't connect and immediately send them a message. If you're, like that's the worst, right? Give it a, give it some time before you try and do the LinkedIn sale. By the way, did you know you can record a video and send it to somebody and natively through LinkedIn as a message? Awesome. Awesome tool. Can't yeah. tell you how valuable that is. Number two. You know, you, if you're getting them to commit to a meeting, whether you're doing all the blocking and tackling before you get to that call or somebody else is doing it or they clicked on some sort of inbound marketing, email, call to action, website, whatever it may be, right? Do some research before you get on the call. Even 10, 15 minutes of who are they? What are they advertising? What does their website say? How many people are in their company? Like do just a minute amount of research so that when you're going into the call, you can use your time to skip past some of those initial questions into the, the next level or the third level, fourth level, so that you can use your time wisely. And then lastly, again, use you know, make sure that you do not leave the conversation open-ended. Have to ask those targeted sales questions. Time, temperament, you know, you know, it, you know if something's going to push them over the fence, what their hot buttons are, these are all blocking and tackling moves, but they're critical because if you just leave the conversation open-ended, I don't expect that the conversation is going to move forward, to be honest with you. And then what ends up happening, Mike, we've all been there. You have to go and rewarm up that lead again. Right. And then that's a time burn. That's great advice. There's a lot of stuff in there. I want to un underscore one of those things that you said um, to, to not be uh, to, to, to ask for what you want. You were talking about, you know, if you want the appointment, give them options, ask for the appointment. Don't just like be soft about it. And I think, especially for me, I was never a natural salesperson. And, and I always felt that fear, going back to fear, you know, of asking somebody to do something, right? Because we all, we have to do that to sell. We have to lead them down the path, right? We have to ask them for the appointment. We have to ask them to confirm things. We have to ask them questions that affirm what we want them to do. And then we have to ask them for the close, for the sale, whatever that sale is. And uh, I always felt like, I don't want to be pushy. You know, I want them to come to me and it never worked. Never I'm worked. You. I'm Mike, I'm with you. This was part of the thing that I had to learn myself, right? I was so excited about hearing about them and how technology can help them. And I forgot to ask for the X. Right. Simply put, if you don't ask, you can't get. 
end of discussion. If you do not ask those questions, right. you will not move forward down that cycle. And then you're going to get the question of, well, why are your sales cycles 90 and 120 and plus days instead of 30 or 45 or 60? Because you didn't ask. Right. And you didn't stay on top of those people and you didn't force the agenda. There is a, granted, a fine line between being direct and being pushy. Yep. Pushy's bad, right? Like we've all heard and ourselves have heard the, hey, dude, back off. I'll call you back when I'm ready. And there's a fine line to that. Every day is not the answer, right? But every week is not unfair. Like there is a fine timeline, but you can ask that question. Hey, I want to schedule the next call with you. When can we do that? Can you look at your calendar right now? Or if you're too busy or you're on the road or you don't have it in front of you, let me send you one. And if it's not good, reject it back and just let me know when the, there's a better time. If you leave it up to them to get to, to progress the, co the communication forward, because you didn't ask for it, it won't move. Yeah. It will not. Yeah. And, and what I learned in that process was, you know, I, I thought I was going to be pushy. That's the, exactly the thing. I thought I was going to be too pushy. So I wasn't direct. And there is a, absolutely agree 100% the difference between being direct and pushy. And I was in a position years ago where I just simply had to set appointments for promotions, cross promotions of companies. And when I was being soft about it and kind of being, you know, trying to be coy or trying to get them to come to the decision on their own, nothing would happen. And I finally said, you know what, I'm just going to assume that they're going to say yes. And and I didn't do it in a pushy way. I just said, you know, listen, here's why we do it. Here's the value to you. And we'd like, I'd like to schedule that for, for two weeks out. I've got Wednesday at one. Does that work for you? Confidence and directness are, are, are very tightly tied. Right. Pushiness, cockiness, over aggressiveness, you, you'll get the message back fairly quickly. And you need to pivot quickly, apologize, back down a little bit. Cause you, you, yeah, you don't want to be known. You know, the internet's a very good place for people to go and keyboard type, right? I mean, keyboard muscles. So you don't want to be known as that guy. But in the same token, you need to ask. So, yes, there, there's a little bit of a trial and error. Uh, into finding where that Zen place is. But um, it, to your point, Mike, if you're too afraid to ask for it, sales might, it's not going to work out for you. you. You have to ask. Right. It's good stuff. I could talk about this all day with you. What is, um, what's, what's the, what, what are you up to now? What are you doing to sell um, what you do? You, you're always doing something cool. You were on, you were on tour. I think you're going back on tour again. We'll burn yeah, it right. Great point. So we did the 7,000 mile um, channel strong tour, uh, you know, back in August. Uh, so we, we went around America, 15 cities, uh, long, long drives. Uh, we are doing round two of that starting next week and the week after we'll be in kind of center earth, I call it. So like, uh, you know, like Chicago and 150 mile radius around that kind of mid Midwest central cool. mid central type area. Um, of course, all safe, all outside mass, the whole thing, right. We're following all the rules. But good to be able to get, you know, socially distant, but in person, right? Because quite frankly, the Zoom, man, you know, my eyeballs are starting to dry out sometimes. But so that's happening, right? Um, we've we've had a couple, like for existing, you know, people, we, we've used the trick. And this is a cool one, right? The opt out rather than the opt in. Uh, where you can, let's say like there's a, you know, let, let me use MSP as an example, right? Hey, you know, your customers need some sort of uh, link clicking, email filtering, spam protection, right? 
maybe it only costs you a dollar a user. Okay. And maybe you turn around and charge like two, two fifty three, whatever. It's a, it's a, it's an easy sale, low cost. Just check the box. Right. You send an email out to all your customers saying, here's a video explaining what we're doing. Here's why we're adding it. And unless we hear back from you at this point, we're going to add this to your bill. You have to opt out. Right. That is a, you know, like if you can position something like that, that's like a 98% close rate on that stuff like that. Right. So you didn't pick up the phone. You didn't schedule a meeting. Granted, existing customer, a little bit different. You know, I don't expect a you know, prospect to just say, yeah, sure. Click. I'm going to buy. But, you know, the closer you can, you know, you know, get to that kind of stuff, the faster you can get through adding on services. I know that's a hard topic in MSP land, right? You have an existing customer. Now you're going back asking for more, but Hey, you know, one of the things that I think gets lost in the whole shuffle here is you're their advisor, right? You're supposed to be the person that's bringing the reality of the, the, the moment to them. Right. And it's a double-edged sword, right? You're too afraid to add on services that fear Mike. But then something bad happens. They come back to you and say, weren't you responsible for this? I thought we were, you know, like, no, <laughs> you have to consistently deliver that message, right? It's not just, hey, I signed them to a three-year contract. Good. Keep on paying your bill. Talk to you in three years. Right. Technology is moving way too fast. Yes. Very fast. So you have to be able to use a little bit of modern technology. Don't be afraid to get in front of the camera like we're doing now pre-record it, get on the phone with them, do it during quarterly business reviews, but you need to consistently be in front of that, that conversation. If they say no, it's on them. Yeah. It's on them, right? Like, or you have to make a decision. Is this customer not good for you? If they're just saying no to everything and they're way too far behind, it does open up a risk unless you can constantly make sure your MSAs are up to date and make sure that your conversations and your waivers are all sorted. But like at some point, like the the stack that you sold somebody three years ago is not valid anymore. It's valid for maybe 80 or 75% of it, but there's now a new block of 25% that you really can't ignore for that much longer. Right? So again, if you don't ask, it's, you have, you have to ask for it. You have to ask for it. Don't be afraid for the customer to tell you, no, I know the fear is, well, I'm going to lose a customer because they think I'm price gouging them. They're going to go look for something else. Hey, Mr. Customer, I'm not price gouging you. I'm just trying to bring it to your attention. It's like the mechanic. Hey, your tires are starting to get to the point where they need to get replaced. There's a little bit of life left in them, but winter's coming. Probably a smart idea not to put yourself in that bad situation where bad tires and snow and ice don't mix, right? right. They can say no. But if you didn't tell them that up front, then it's, well, I brought the car in. Why didn't you tell me I needed new tires, right? So it, it's a double-edged sword. This is what happens when you are afraid and you won't ask. You have to stay out of it. If nothing else, just to cover your own behind. Yeah, love that. And that, you know, I don't know if you've heard this story um, going to what you said with those those small purchases that are needed, you know, that $1 seat type thing. You know, Frank took it a step further. Frank Benedetto, the founder of Audit, who's an MSP, and and you've done interviews with him, and he's done interviews with you. You guys, uh, you guys know each other. Um, he, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, he did. He basically added eighteen hundred dollars a month of MRR without asking. He told them, and and the reason he did that is because he's taking an active, proactive, pro. Uh, uh, he does QBR. 
QBRs, right? He goes and does QBRs, brings the audit, goes over what's going on. He he has earned the permission from his clients to not come in and tell them, hey, you should do this probably last month, you know? No, he they they want him to to install and implement those things. So he imp, he implemented Huntress, Huntress's strategy, Huntress's tool, yeah. um, and he just put it. He just did it, and he sent his folks an email saying, "Here's what we did." Um, and nobody, you know, I think one person, one of his clients said, "What what is this extra charge on our bill?" And and when he explained it to them, they're like, "Oh, cool, okay." Listen, your rapport with your customers give you that. Again, how do you angle things? You talked about this earlier, right? Like you need to be able to pivot based on the relationship, based on the responses, based on the back and forth. Like if there's none of that, if you have zero ongoing communication with your customers, you probably can't get away with that. Going to be straight up with you. They're going to question everything. Exactly. Keep that communication going and make sure that it's consistent. Yeah, you can do that, especially if it's a situation where your customers like it's not. If you go to your customer and you double their bill, oh, they're gonna add. Yeah, they're gonna sure. If you go to your customer and it goes up fifty, sixty, hundred dollars a month. You probably can get away with that if they, you know, with the understanding that you're trying to have their back. So, you know, being able to understand the person on the other end again, it, it, whether it's a prospect, whether it's an existing customer, it's always the challenge. You're trying to figure out who you're dealing with, what their temperament is. Can you get the information out of them? Again, um, that's a great, and again, the opt out is a great sales technique, but it works in certain situations. You can't, you know, you can't expect them to opt out of, Hey, I'm going to just sell you a new car. We'll take your old one. Right. You're never going to know. It's just going to show up in your driveway. I think that's a little bit too big. Um, but in certain situations, right. Where, especially if it's an inline move, Mike, right? Like think about it this way. Um, customers coming up on uh, like their server is five years old. Right. Right. And you're going to move existing dollars in your bundle to switch them to like Azure, AWS or Google, right? Move that server into a virtualized cloud-based model rather than selling them another box, right? If you're moving dollars around to cover that expense and it's just maybe five or 10% more, and it's like, hey, Mr. Customer, guess what? Your server's going to blow. Yeah, you know, server's about to blow up. It's five years old. You got your mileage out of it. I'm going to move you to the cloud. By the way, it's only going to be an extra X per month. It's uh, 50 yeah, Easy. Oh, so I don't have to, I don't have to pay $5,000 to replace it. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, sure. No problem. You know, like that's easy, right? But it's important back, back to something that we didn't even touch on, but it's super important. Got to know your numbers, right? If you got room, then you have more flexibility. The guys that put an auto escalator into their agreements, right? Especially for MSPs. Hey, I'm going to put a 5% increase, auto increase in every year, right? And, you know, you want to call that cost of living, cost of whatever, whatever. Okay. Every year automatically goes up at the, at the annual date. You already have more dollars to, 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 you know, play with, right. In terms of what else do I need to add to my stack? Do they need some no security, something or other? Do they need to do something else? The easier you make it for them, the more reality, the higher percentage that you're going to close. So the, that's the scientific part that I mentioned earlier in the call, right? There is a science part of sales. We're blocking, tackling math percentages, right? But right. there's a larger art part to it. And that is personability, communication, pivoting, asking the questions, not being afraid to, to get to a direct situation. You know, listen, it's okay if they say no, but if you put all, put yourself in the best position, yeah, I'm an Eagles fan from Philadelphia. Don't hold it against me. 
I all, all I hear about Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. High probability plays, high probability close. It's such a thing. High probability close, but you got to get yourself into that position where you're at. You're at three yards, third and four instead of third and twenty-five. Right? I mean, it's a huge difference, you know, in terms of how you get to that end game. So, um, I can't stress enough, Mike. I mean, you're you're doing it now, but don't hesitate for the people watching this. Do not hesitate to talk to your peers. We're all in it. Yeah, there's other people out there in the trench like you. Uh, build relationships with other people across the aisle that back in the day you would call competitor. Even if they're another Metro, if that'll make you feel better, great. Um, but yeah, you have to ask the right questions and you have to have that ongoing conversation because I'm going to tell you right now, it's not, it is a long, hard trench walk if you're going to learn everything by yourself. It really is. You can you can help yourself greatly by collaborating and communicating a little bit with people in the same position. Absolutely. And that's a great way to end this. Thank you, George, for, for joining me. Despite you being an Eagles fan, I forgive you. Um, and by the way, did you know the NFC East, if you combined all of their winning, the winning record, they would still be in like last place as a team? Listen, uh, one, two, and one, right? And we're, we're first place in NFC least. Um, hey, it's what it is. You know, the Cowboys came in here with their new coach, and they thought, hey, you know, you know, Dak Prescott, they didn't give him his contract. They thought they were going to be the team to beat. Well, they have a really bad defense, apparently. Um, you know, the Eagles have like, you know, they're like on the third year row of uh, injury way, right? Where like half the teams on the IR. Uh, apparently we are whatever sports scientist uh, people that we brought on didn't, didn't figure it out. But um, Hey, listen, here's the other thing. Well, will, will the league get to the end of the year? Right. You already, hear these, you know, games are being moved, right? Now they're maybe talking about adding an extra week at the end of the season. Maybe they're talking about maybe teams forfeiting games. If they're not following the rules, like. Yeah. Well, does Cam Newton have COVID now? I think. Right. Cam Newton, I think has COVID or. Yeah, and then we had Tennessee. We had another guy from the Patriots got something like the one guy on the Raiders. Like, listen, you know, I'm hopeful that there is a, a vaccine around the corner, right? We're hearing yeah. all these – like, forget about the political side of it. All these major companies that know their, their stuff in pharma land, right, they're getting close. But um, I, I, we, I think the test of this, right, MLB – kind of got there, but they can do double headers. There's only 16 games. You can't, know, right? you can't do that football, right? Uh, NBA did the bubble, right? I mean, they seem to have been the most successful about keeping it closed. Uh, hockey also was very successful. Like the game is to get there or yeah. else if the season never really ends because they can't get it in, then it doesn't really matter, does it? Nope. Well, George, thank you. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm online, always happy to help. Doesn't even mean if it's the stuff that I'm doing, right? If you ever you know, need help or have a question or a thought, you can find me on LinkedIn, George.Bardisi, B-A-R-D-I-S-S-I. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, email, right? Gbardisi at bvoip.com. I mean, pretty, pretty accessible. Try and reply back as, as quickly as I can. Sometimes I'll just put you in touch with someone if you need help with something. But I'm a pay it forward guy, right? You know, like I try and give all the time just because, you know, back in the day, I wish somebody was super helpful when I asked for help. So it's just as important to give it forward on the other end. Well, thank you for giving us your time today. And stick around, George. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to end the broadcast, but I'm going to book you for another comeback because we got to, we got to talk about more stuff. Like I didn't get to half the things that I want to talk about. So okay. 
Uh, we're going to wrap it up and uh, George, stick around.